Welcome to The Hoodoo Factory, a game show and discussion podcast about the 90s NBC sitcom classic, News Radio. We will be drafting News Radio episodes into units with a common theme. In part A of the podcast, we will host a game show based on our drafted episodes. The contestants will compete for ABSA points in hopes of being declared the ABSA winner. In part B of the podcast, we will discuss the episode in greater detail. We are three dorks who prefer the term news radiologists who decided to use Twitter and podcasting for good instead of pure evil. Welcome back to the Hoodoo Factory. We hope you enjoyed part A, where we awarded Thaddeus the winner of the ABSA for excellence in this podcast. (laughs) Now we're back for part B, where we will discuss this episode in further detail. I'm Lauren, and I'm here with Tom and Thaddeus discussing Led Zeppelin II, our third and final episode in our Dave and Lisa unit. And to kick off part B, we're going to start with some fun facts about the episode in a segment we call Half-Truths and Gorilla Dust with Tom. Okay, thank you, Lauren. Um, so central to this this episode is a fire that happens at the Criterion Building, which uh, Bill says is at 59th and Madison. Uh, the nearest fire station to that would be FDNY Engine 39 Ladder 16 on East 67th Street. That is 0.7 miles from where the Criterion Building would have stood. Um, so they would probably, you could expect them to get the call and get there in about, I would guess, 10 to 15 minutes in, uh, midday New York traffic. So the, the episode's timeline kind of, kind of makes sense. Um, <laughs> uh, Dave mentions, uh, c- several, um, explosive or incendiary incidents, uh, of the past century. Um, the Hindenburg. Uh, which was a uh, a Zeppelin that exploded uh, May 6, 1937, over New Jersey, killing 35 uh, on board. Uh, 62 did survive. Um, the photo of it would be very famous. It would, 32 years later, be used on the cover of the album Led Zeppelin, the debut album of the band Led Zeppelin. Uh, so it gets a mention here in Led Zeppelin 2. How about that? Hey, all right. <laughs> so, yeah. So this is our first Led Zeppelin episode out of, I believe, 10, 9 or 10 episodes that were named after Led Zeppelin albums. Uh, Led Zeppelin was an English hard rock band. Um, they were active uh, between 1968 and 1980. Um, according to Wikipedia, they are the sixth best-selling music artists of all time, uh, following the Beatles, Elvis, Michael Jackson, Elton John, and Madonna, I believe. And then then wow. Led Zeppelin. And they're, they're right in front of Rihanna. Madonna, Led Zeppelin, Rihanna. Boom. There you go. <laughs> um, Dave also mentions um, Dresden, the, the firebombing of Dresden. He called it. He's calling it a Dresden for the 90s. Uh, Dresden 
was bombed in 1945, in February of 1945, by the British and U.S. Uh, Air Forces. The British sent 772 planes, the U.S. sent 527. Uh, they destroyed over 1,000 uh, acres of the city center of Dresden, which had previously been one of, one of the more beautiful cities in Europe. Um, so river river runs through it's real the pictures from it look real nice i believe they've rebuilt it and it looks very nice again but uh this this action killed uh an estimated twenty five thousand people um in the firestorm which created um so couple couple uh, incidents that uh dave mentions that are a little a little flippant but i guess with a little bit of time you can you can make those jokes um ever heard of 1984 Heard of it. There you go. <laughs> the novel um, by George Orwell, published in 1949, um, which brought up the concept of Big Brother watching you and uh, the, the overreach of an authoritarian establishment. Um, so the cameras, obviously, uh, were <laughs> what Joe thought of. Um, they mention uh, the Buchanan camp uh, when they're coming back just before they announced the fire on the air. That was uh, about Pat Buchanan, who was running for president. Uh, he's a former White House communications director under Ronald Reagan. Um, ran for president twice, I believe. Uh, neither time getting a nomination. Um, he On Saturday Night Live, in the sketches uh, for the McLaughlin Group, their send-up of the McLaughlin Group, Pat Buchanan was pay, played by none other than Phil Hartman. Mm, nice. Oh, and, very nice. Yeah. And one real quick fact. Uh, Catherine says, I believe in preventive medicine. And I, when I was writing it down, just to get it right, I wanted to make sure. I thought it was preventative, but it is preventive that she says. But either one, apparently according to the internet, is correct. So there you go. (laughs) All right. (laughs) And that is Half Truths and Gorilla Dust. Thank you for that, Tom. That segment was always very educational. Uh, Now we're going to recap and discuss our Absa Fever round from part A, and I as host will get to get my two cents as well. So here we go. Starting off with... um, we're going to say favorite scenes now. Not not necessarily just scenes that you'd like to show to a new person, but favorite scenes. Um, but the one of you guys said cold open, Thad, I think it was you. Um, that was first on my list. I mean, and I was kind of including, like, basically everything up to the opening credits. So that includes yeah. the scene with Matthew trying to climb up on Joe's shoulders and stuff. I mean, it, just the whole, <laughs> the whole cold open was just so rich with character interactions and... Um, yeah, Joe's fierce opposition to the cameras and Dave's total indifference and a ton of Dave and Lisa subtext and yeah, all of it was all of it was really great. So that would have been my first choice. Um, what other scenes did you guys have, Dad? Uh, Before I get to that, so the one thing about the scene with Matthew and Joe that always gets me is when he's on his shoulders and he adjusts and goes that's better, <laughs> and I'm just like, ugh. <laughs> <laughs> Like it's it's effective in getting a reaction, but I was just like, oh, so that that joke kind of takes that scene down a notch for me. But, uh, but ultimately, you're right. Like you get that extra interaction between those characters, and then you know throws his shoes, and Jimmy James walks out. Um, so yeah, I, I, I get adding that in. Um, so 
Uh, one of my favorite scenes, I think, like, first of all, just in this favorite scenes, I'm not sure where to put this, is when Dave greenlights Catherine to slap Bill at the beating. Like, you know, he's like, <laughs> Catherine, and Catherine just whacks him, you know? She knew exactly uh, then, what to do. <laughs> yeah, you know, but it's like that, that to me, that that moment at least is just like, <laughs> can you imagine your boss giving you another coworker? <laughs> just like, all right, we've been here before. You slap him, you know? And he knows, he just knows he has to stand there and take it too. He's like, ah. <laughs> and then he gets to deliver the line, like, you just enjoyed that one. And then you get that <laughs> great smile from Catherine <laughs> oh, afterwards. So like, it really actually kind of makes that slap overall is that she gets to really be satisfied when he, when he comes back with that line. So I know that Tom actually uh, used that, that whole meeting, I think, as uh, one of his scenes but I just want to call attention to that part in particular um, mm-hmm. because that, that to me just struck me as outrageously funny and just absurd, you know? Um, so I do have two other parts, but I want to know what, what one of Tom's extra scenes was, or one of his favorite scenes was. Um, Beth, Catherine, and the fireman um, at, towards the end, you know, when, when Catherine, what is going on? I don't know, but I think we're going to need a squeegee. Like, it's it's very dirty, and, and it continues to get dirtier when the fireman gets there. Is the news director in? <laughs> no. He's one of those sensitive types. That's actually one of my favorite quotes. It's, it's real, yeah. Great. Yeah, That's a great scene all the way around. One of those sensitive guys. Like, the pause <laughs> that she puts into it. Like, yeah. But yeah. <laughs> and then the guy unnecessarily put a shirt back on. <laughs> oh man, like there's just no reason for it whatsoever. It's, it's perfect. No. It's so perfect. Well, it's like that's that's the normal reaction of people is like, oh, there's a fight. Well, let's definitely have sex right now. <laughs> <laughs> He's seen this too many times to be bothered by it. He's like, oh yeah, you could just put your shirt back on. The fire's out. He's probably seen it on every floor on the way up. Yeah. <laughs> Something else. <laughs> Something else. Uh, like me, I might have to accidentally set more fires. <laughs> uh, I also really love the scene where everyone realizes the building's on fire. So partly, partly that scene at the conference table, but also like the scene in the booth with Bill and Catherine and the scene previously in the office with um, Dave and Lisa. I sort of consider that kind of all one scene, even though it jumps around from set piece to set piece. Mm-hmm. Um, I just like the way that everyone's reaction, not only is it not a typical reaction you would get from a normal, reasonable person, but it's not really the typical reaction you would get from these characters, right? Like you would expect Bill to be flying off the handle and then initially he's calm, you know? And you would expect Lisa to be like, you know, trying to like figure out what kind of physics problem she can solve to get them out of the building. But instead she's just still obsessed with Dave's lunch date. And like, it just seemed like everybody had the wrong reaction for their character. And eventually they got back on the right track, but it was just like, that one of those scenes where it, it throws you off and it's not what you expect. And I always love when they do stuff like that. Yeah, that was actually, that was on one of my lists. Uh, that was actually on my favorite scenes I wanted to mention too. It's just when he tells her there's a fire and she's so, <laughs> so into the whole concept of his ex-girlfriends. I mean, again, the best mm-hmm. part is with Beth walks in. And she's like, it's that girl from college. And that's like, it doesn't matter <laughs> who said <laughs> <he's the fire. laughs> That right there is just like, is, yeah. Like, that's why it made my uh, one of my favorite scenes. And then the next favorite scene, my last one actually, is just Beth telling her mother about the fire. Because mm. um, mm-hmm. it starts off very sweet and very kind of like, mm. oh, I'm worried. And then it ends with her just being like, why do I even bother? Like, why did I try? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I just thought that was a really, really nice piece just by, you know, by Vicky. 
uh, to, <laughs> I was going to use her first name for that one. Uh, like, <laughs> it was just a great job of her, you know, just kind of running that emotional gamut and setting up the punchlines. Yeah, that's that was for sure on my list too. And I, I just love any little insight into character backstories. And, um, it, you know, there's a few times that we get a little glimpse into Beth and her mom's relationship. And I think that's so good. Um, Tom, did you have any others? Um, did you? I have. I, I do. I do have one more, but I, I want to okay. give you the opportunity. Okay. All right. Um, the only other one on my list that we haven't already talked about is the scene where Joe admits he started the fire and also he's the Unabomber. <laughs> Especially the, the part where, like, you know, Dave is like, everything's fine. Everything's good. Everything's great. Your aces. Get out. Get out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Joe picks up pretty quick. Like, that I could just lay it all out here and probably nothing's going to happen. So let's just put it all out there. <laughs> I thought it was a, a well acted scene between them, especially. Dave's reactions. <laughs> yeah. All right, Tom, what's your last one? Uh, it's actually the, the final scene um, after the fire has been put out and they're, they're sitting around with cigars and um, drinking. Um, and then, you know, Mr. James finds out that the reason that he, he had um, something marked down about Ruth is because she didn't like the staff at, at WNYX and the call, the call to security. This is Jimmy up on uh, 14. We got a code five. (laughs) (laughs) I love that he has a code for it. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) That's a good scene, too. That's what I'm saying. This episode is so dense. Like, you could pick any scene and argue why it's the best scene. All right, moving on. Um, favorite quotes. So they don't necessarily have to be usable in real life at this point. Just some of your favorite quotes. Um, Tom, what's one of your top ones that you didn't use in uh, the first round? Uh, th- yeah, this one is also this is also usable. But yeah, I'll get right on that one, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> Great line. There you go. Dad, what do you got? What's another one of yours? Um, so actually, one of my choices, or my almost choices, was was going to be your aces, mm, uh, because yeah. that is one that you yeah. can use sarcastically or genuinely. That's one that you could use and kind of throw out there. So I I, I did like that one, um, which you just mentioned it. So the one I was actually really trying to see if I had the balls to go for was like, <laughs> nah, I've had sex before. <laughs> like that is actually one that like if you get a decent enough setup out with other people like, I think you can throw that out at people like anytime you're getting something visible like oh, you like this shirt like nah I've had sex before but, like, I think you could find a way to kind of throw people off with it so uh, that was definitely one of my favorite quotes that I definitely have an eye towards trying to throw out in the, in the general public you're like just constantly listening for a good setup like could it work here can I work here? Okay. Well, the worst is like, you know, it's like after it's over, you go, you're like, oh, that was the window. I blew it. <laughs> it was perfect. I blew it. That was the moment. Always. I'm like, oh, man. You damn choker. <laughs> I'm like, I used the Seinfeld quote. It was perfect for news radio. <laughs> that is a good one. Now I'm going to be trying to work that into conversations. <laughs> yes. All right, so I've got two more. I don't know. Tom, what was one of yours? Why, you cold-hearted bastard. I'm <laughs> impressed. 
Yeah, that's a Bill McNeil classic. I like that one, and I would like that, um, like, in a situation where someone did just the tiniest bit rude something, <laughs> you know? Like, it, it was so mild, you could have just let it go, but you got to turn it into something bigger with this line. <laughs> that's good. Um, I also liked she was the one named Ruth. <laughs> I should, <laughs> I feel like because I feel like there's that happens a lot where you're like you're trying to explain to someone about a story about a third person and you give their name and they're like who was that? Anytime it's it just re, restate their name, just like they're the one named Dad. You know, <laughs> like <laughs> I don't know what else to tell you. Um, yeah, I thought that was a good line. Harder to work into normal conversation, but a good line. <laughs> Dad, what else you got? Um, I'm gonna go with what a set of warheads on that battleship. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I think that I like it more because I associate it with him putting his foot in his mouth. You know, and like, I don't know about you, Lauren, but Tom, I'm pretty sure that you've hung around enough guys where you've made a comment and somebody turns around and was like, bro, <laughs> oh no. Um, it's just, again, like, it's, it's such a, you know, again, it's, it's inappropriate no matter what, but like, it's such a, uh, for that time period, at least a casual statement to make. It's not oh, something man. that was like out of place. Like, Hey, you guys check out that girl. Um, and the fact that it just backfired, like you could see Dave laughing in that scene a little bit, or like mm -hmm. really enjoying it. Um, and then we, we get to the Bill's gibberish, which is just like, <laughs> like I'm like, how does he do that? You know, like just the, like performance, like how do you actually do that and come up with that gibberish and be able to put that on camera? Because it's yeah, you can't like, even I do repeat it naturally, it. right? Right. Like how do you like you can try, line? and it's hard to it's hard to even repeat it. And then he basically swallows his mouth. I don't know how he did that. Yeah, before, but it's like his mouth turned inside out. It was crazy. It's so I hate to see it, but it, it's not one of those lines that I like. It's like if I see if I see a woman, uh, I don't look at it and be like, say that line to myself. Like, <laughs> um, but it's kind of like I might think about it if I realize how inappropriate it would be to say. That's actually when it occurs to me, and that's why I'm like no, no, no. Like, <laughs> don't listen to the guy in red on your shoulder listen to the guy in white on your shoulder <laughs> and swallow your mouth don't say it <laughs> yeah, think about what happened to bill what if you see somebody with really big ears <laughs> look at the warheads on that battleship <laughs> it's not the same, it's not the same. <laughs> oh tom did you have any more um, let me see. I think we mostly, I think we've covered pretty much everything. Oh, you know, the, the you know, who, who isn't like I'm the Unabomber. Who isn't? <laughs> oh, that's a good one. <laughs> I, I have actually used that before about like, you know, or like who hasn't, who isn't, well, you know. Check out. Yeah. <laughs> Bad. Did you have any more? Uh, my last one actually was was Catherine. <laughs> it's a bill. He's like, oh, he's cheating on Lisa. Lisa's like, we're um. not together. And, and Catherine wisely is like, they can always find a way, honey. Like, <laughs> boom. Like, Every time she says it, I feel it. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> right. Like, it's, like, just the way that she delivers it, it's like you accept it as a truth. It's yeah. like, it makes no sense. I got to believe her on this one. Yeah. <laughs> That's that is definitely one of uh, my favorite. That's one again. You can't really use it in public. Like that's a you need a, a real setup for that one. Yeah. But man, the way she says it is just one of my favorite quotes in the episode. It's a really good one. 
Um, I think we talked about most of the rest of mine. The devil mixes his lies with the truth. People, let's go. That was on my list. Um, I think we're going to need a squeegee later. <laughs> the word squeegee by itself is just <laughs> funny already. Um, oh, yeah. oh, can this argument continue as it started without me? That was a really good one. <laughs> oh, man. Same thing here. This episode is dense with great quotes. Absolutely. This was not one I was I was not upset to watch this one multiple times no, in preparation for this easy. episode. <laughs> okay, moving on. Favorite gags. Favorite gags or bits that had a big impact on the episode. Um, Thad, what's another one you've got? Well, this is actually the one that I thought Tom would go with is Catherine slapping people. You know, like, like again, like she gets three slaps in, you know, and, mm-hmm. and look, when she leaves the show, they show a montage of her slapping people. You know, I thought that that probably was a better gag. Uh, you know, what I pointed out the, um, let's see, Dave being, Lisa, uh, Lisa being jealous. Lisa being jealous, yeah. Right. You know, like I thought that that was actually really good. You know, for It's good for the episode. It's had more impact on the episode. Uh, but, but yeah, right away, the, the gag of Catherine slapping people and the fact that she gets to get three slaps in one episode. <laughs> I was like, yeah, that's that's the best one. The second slap on Bill too, the backhanded so one that good. Dave sets her uh, up for. Oh man, that was it. It hurt to watch a little bit. It yeah. Was really good. <laughs> um, Tom, what's your what's your next favorite gag or bit? Um, I could, it, this is kind of related to the what I brought up earlier, but it's just the list of disqualifiers that Jimmy has. You know, talks too much, talks too little, smokes. <laughs> Um, (laughs) mysterious death of a wealthy spouse um, taking up arms against the government and doesn't like the staff like those at least at least six items that that you could be disqualified for immediately (laughs) each with its own icon yeah (laughs) man Tom so you hit on both of mine I had two and one was um, the one that you stated in the in the, the game show of Jimmy trying to figure out what's wrong with Ruth. Was that the one mm-hmm. you said? Yeah. And yeah, the just the, the everybody else is the question. Yeah, the way he says, he, he sends them all off to try to like retrieve information from, from him. That was good. Um, and also the secret code, in particular, the deciphering of the doodles. And I also just like <laughs> the gag that Jimmy likes to draw little doodles. Like we saw it in a word <laughs> show, right? Like, and right. here's the bee and here's the bonnet. Well, well, I'm good at drawing bees, you know? <laughs> That B was Richard Nixon. <laughs> <laughs> was it? No. <laughs> anyway, those were the two that I had. You you already hit both of them. Um, Thad, did you have any more? Yeah, I had. So I mentioned Bill's gibberish in the bathroom. I thought that was really yeah. good. Uh, I mentioned Beth calling her mother. We talked about that. Uh, Matthew mm-hmm. climbing Joe. <laughs> uh, just, just his attempt to get up Joe. Like I, I think Tom and I were laughing, like, you know, he, he does the thing where he like grabs like a tree and then slides all the way down, <laughs> you know, uh, and just all the way around. So, um, so I thought that was a really good gag, just that physical comedy. Uh, and then actually there comes a man, there comes a time in a man's life speech. Um, oh. like again, it does, it does, he does do it several times in the series, you know, there comes a time in a man's life when he needs change. Uh, and I, so I know I, this guy, I, I really believe this has got to be the first, uh, incident of him using it, but he, he uses it at least two more times throughout the series. So that was what I had down there just in recognition of a, a gag to come. Oh, that's yeah. That's a good one. That's a good call. I hadn't really thought about mm-hmm. that, but yeah, he does that several times. 
Yeah. And and does he ever get to finish the speech? I feel like he always gets cut off in one way or another. I think that's the joke is that he does <laughs> yeah, get cut off. Like, yeah. He starts to kind of build he up. Never, kind of he never off, once but... gets to finish it. That's pretty good. Because <laughs> yeah. he does it in season five. I just can't remember why he does it. Was it maybe Towers? You know, Might have been Towers. Yeah, yeah. Man's got to be memorized. I don't remember, but I know he does a speech in season five and I, I'm fairly sure he does it in season three in one of the episodes too. I just don't remember which one. I mean, it's sounding very familiar. Well, I'm sure we'll get to these episodes and we'll be like, yes, it's another one. Mm -hmm. There's the bingo card at home. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Did either of you have any more? No. Gags or bits? All right. That's my list, too. All right. Moving on. We're going to talk about favorite aspects of the episode, background catches, adequate touches. Uh, What else do you guys have? Um, Thad, what do you got? Um, the one thing I notice every time I can't not see anymore is Joe completely anticipating his part to stand up at the meeting about the cameras. Yeah. It it's like, me. you it can see me. him, you can see him lean a little bit and kind of move a little bit. And then mm-hmm. all of a sudden he stands up and it totally takes away the whole idea of it being like a, a instant reaction. Yeah. You know, Cause you can actually see him waiting for his, his time to stand up and do his thing. So, yeah. um, you know, that's not as much of a favorite, but it is something that, that I, I can't not see anymore. Yeah. Same. Um, so that was, that's one of mine. Tom, you got any? Um, well, I kind of discussed before in the half truths and gorilla dust, but the, the fact that it was about nine minutes and 30 seconds from the time that Dave finds out that the building is on fire until the firemen arrive, which depending on how, you know, how long it took for them to call Dave after the fire was reported, the fire department for them to get there, get the thing under control seemed like pretty accurate to, to, you know, what it would have taken. So that was kind of an interesting detail to me. Interesting. It makes me wonder if like they thought about that and sort of planned for that, or if it was purely accidental. Purely, yeah, it could have <laughs> like been purely accidental. Of- We've seen a lot of weird timing things on on this show. Yeah. Um, it's one thing I hadn't really noticed. Um, I don't I don't know that I noticed this before, but on all my rewatches this time, in the bathroom scene, you can see Joe in the hall outside every time the door opens. But he never comes in. He's just standing there looking sketchy, peering into the bathroom. So, like when Dave first comes in, you know, like cameras in the bathroom, Dave walks in, there's Joe in the background and the door closes and he's gone. And then right after that, Jimmy comes in and he's standing there and he's looking in the bathroom, and he, but he doesn't come in. And then later Bill comes in and he's still standing there in the doorway and not coming in. So I, I have to think either uh, Matthew's still trying to dismantle the, the cameras that Joe's <laughs> covering him, <laughs> or maybe he already knows about the fire and he's trying to gauge, like, did they know about it yet? Have like, they found out about the, the fire? Oh, <laughs> that's really good. <laughs> Just a nice little background touch that, that I never noticed the, before. I wow, thought that yeah. was really great. <laughs> I did not notice that at all. That's great. <laughs> that's good, man. You guys got any more? Dad, you got anything? Um, yeah, I got, I got two. I got Joe spouting gibberish before he admits to setting the fire. I can't tell if that's actually scripted or not because it goes nowhere. He's talking about just like, oh, my parents raised me. I'm like, what? But, but Dave plays off of it. And I can't tell if, if, uh, you know, Dave just played off of whatever Joe, Joe just had to kind of fill some time and Dave just played off of it. Or if they actually kind of scripted that way, because, nothing Joe's saying makes any sense in terms of admitting to setting the fire. 
you know it really to me is like he's just kind of chewing it up a little bit and then you know finally they kind of get to the joke but that that part always kind of gets me a little bit where i'm like mm, i'm not sure that is that some joe rogan improv maybe <laughs> yeah you know like uh, because i'm like what is he talking about yeah um the script for this one wasn't online so i can't tell you if it was okay. in the script or not <laughs> yeah um so I have one more after that. I don't know if you have any. Okay. Um, so we, we talked about uh, Dave's sort of theatrics with his combing his hair and putting on the And I basically the thing that I really liked was the way um, he ends up spritzing the banaca on the side of his face and then he's wiping it off for the rest of the conversation. Um, we talked about the way Bill spews out the <laughs> gibberish and then ends up speechless and tries to shove his words back in his mouth, basically. Um, but the only other one I had was Dave's outfit. Because um, Dave practically wears a uniform the entire series. He looks almost identical in every episode. In this episode, they made sure to dress him a little more dapper and um, help pull off the larger plot point of Lisa thinking he has a date. And I just thought it was a really nice touch. Like, he still looks, you know, very Dave-like and very business-like. But there's just a little extra zhuzh on it that he, he looked a little better. So I it's, thought that was a nice touch. the waistcoat. The waistcoat, you know. <laughs> yeah. That, that makes the whole, the whole appearance. It really ties the outfit together. Black vest, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dad, what was your other one? Um, Beth looking into the office after the fireman tells Lisa to put her shirt back on. Oh. So she actually <laughs> leans back and like rolls back to peer into the office <laughs> when he says that. <laughs> and I was just like, yeah. I did that's, not notice that's that. I did too, yeah. So oh, after telling the shirt back on, she actually leans back in her chair and she rolls the angle a little bit to, to peer in. <laughs> I, thought, I was like, that's a nice touch. Lisa's Lisa seen Beth naked, so I mean, it's only fair. Yeah, yeah, that's true. At this nope. point in the series, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was in, a, in the first episode of season two. Okay. So when she yeah. has the nudie photos. Yeah, with the bag over her head. <laughs> presumably. Uh, presumably everybody's have... seen it. Well, yeah. <laughs> All right. Any more? Any other adequate touches? No, no, not for me. Okay. So let's talk keepsakes. This I thought was interesting because you guys didn't have either of my top two. But um, what else do you got on your list? Why don't you give us your top two? Oh, okay. Number one that I thought everybody was going to say was Bill's Cigar Box. Uh, when, see, I went with the cigars, but yeah, the box. You went with the cigar. The box is cool. It's like a cool wooden nice. box with a nice design on the top. Like, even if you don't smoke cigars, it's a nice little box for to, to keep all your keepsakes in. <laughs> <laughs> like, you were about to say jewelry. Let's <laughs> just be honest. You were about to say jewelry. Um, it's a keepsake. It's, it's amazing keepsake. that Bill didn't have to return that to somebody. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Good point. Um, and uh, Beth's top. Not her shirt, but the little toy she was playing with in the cold open when she's um, not paying attention and is paying <laughs> attention. <laughs> she's, she's spinning a little purple top on the table. Oh. Not something you ever really saw her do before, but I thought that was kind of neat. So that's something I'd like to, I was like, to have from the episode. What kind of shirt was she wearing? I'm like, what? <laughs> her top? As usual, a very 90s chic top she was wearing. But no, I was talking about the toy. <laughs> So what else did you guys have on your list? Tom, what you got? Uh, I There were several. I, I think I counted at least four ABSA-looking objects. Um, there was one on Dave's desk and then a couple behind his desk. And 
There were two behind his desk that looked the same as the one on his desk. And then there was another one that was a little smaller and looked more, more like your design. Um, and it was like, wh where did these come from? Because obviously they don't get the abses until the next season. I think we brought this up on other episodes, but it's it's still remarkable to me how they keep coming, how they keep appearing before they've ever been awarded any. Well, and beyond even just abses, I was I was kind of distracted by the sheer number of trophies in his trophies, office. Trophies, yeah. I counted at least 10 and maybe as many as 12 because when they show the angle of him sitting at the desk, you can't even see that top shelf behind him. So there might be some up there, but between what's on his desk and on the shelves behind him, there's a whole bunch. And then when they show the angle, you know, looking at Jimmy and him sort of facing off, you can see behind Jimmy and against that back wall where the windows are. All kinds of trophies, just trophies everywhere. And I'm like, what are all these trophies Dave has won? <laughs> yeah, it's, it looks like it's something, it's either it's either <laughs> golfing or he's got like a sword or like, it's tough to tell. Interesting. Maybe it's a throwing knife. <laughs> it's like he's probably good at all of those things. Now we think about probably. It. Like, if you're good at throwing knives, you're probably good at golf. Good at handle why, right? Yep. One of his Get many her. hidden talents. <laughs> yeah. He's a championship golfer and nobody knows. That's yeah. right. So any of the trophies, I'm assuming. Yeah. Is your, your choice of keepsake. All right. Very That's good. Cool. Bad. What else you got? Uh, I had Jimmy's cell phone or portable phone. Because I don't know, it's not like I don't remember if cell phones ever had the extending antenna. <laughs> yeah. But I think we all remember at home, like when we were kids, like you would like take that antenna, like you would like you know fold it up against your leg and then put it back on the charger. Yeah. Or if you had siblings, <laughs> you would sword fight with it at some point. Um, yeah, I I think those like mid nineties like trapezoidal ones that flipped out, that the bottom like flipped out. They, they they were like if you looked at it sideways, it was like a trapezoid shape. You would open it, and then, yeah, you pull that antenna out. Like, I never had one, but I definitely remember seeing those all the time. I don't see. I don't remember them at all. So, like, if they were there, and it was common, then it's a cell phone. But I'm like, does this guy have a portable phone in his own building? Like, is he just, he's yeah. got, like, the transfer. He's just walking around. It's, like, it's actually the the building phone. I don't know. Uh, but I thought that was, uh, just because of the antenna play, I was like, yeah, mm -hmm. that's that makes my list as a keepsake. That was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, I also had Joe's gas station attendant sh shirt or bowling shirt or whatever it was on my list. Um, I actually liked the cologne bottle. So I understand what you're saying, Thad, that you don't want to take a chance on the smell of someone else's cologne. But if I'm just going to display the bottle, I thought it was a nice looking bottle. And I feel like it draws a little more attention than the, the tiny binaca thing. <laughs> but, true. but I mean, both are good. But yeah, either way, I'm probably not going for the comb. <laughs> <laughs> As putting the binaca in her face. <laughs> and then obviously he misses, but like, that's just like the ultimate, like, yeah, no, I've definitely got something going on. <laughs> Only other one I had was Dave's vest. I like that oh, one. It was a nice vest. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Do you have any more, Thad? Nope. No, that's, that's my list too. Okay. Um, so for the MVP and runner-up, you had you guys had different uh, cast members. Mine was Dave also, but just wanted to have just sort of a general discussion about the cast. Um, I, I had um, my runner-up would have been Jimmy. I thought, Me too. I thought yep. Jimmy just had a lot of good lines and 
a lot of good um, physical comedy. Even like the like the pulling out of the. I I think the way he pulled out the antenna from the phone was like the opposite hand sort of over his head, and it, it was yep. a nice maneuver. I was like, that's a good choice. I mean, I feel like that that was all him. He decided on that. Um, yeah, it was it was similar to how he did it in a pilot. I think he did a similar kind of draw mm. when he was like, "Oh, it's perfectly good. I gotta go." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, I, I just thought it was, it was a pretty strong episode for everybody. Everybody got like a little piece of the action. Um, there was nobody who just got totally left behind. Like we always talk about Catherine is critically underused. Um, even she had like s- some nice moments here. Um, she had three slaps. She got three slaps and they were great. <laughs> and that smile after the second one was just so good. <laughs> and the, they can always find a way, honey. Oh God. <laughs> So good. So good. And her being sly, of course. <laughs> Are those fake? <laughs> you heard the lady. <laughs> Catherine, you are the sly one. Um, so I don't know if it was anybody's best episode in particular, but everybody had a good episode, which is what I think makes it so strong. It's like everybody, everybody had a good chunk of meat to take, you know? I would argue this, I mean, maybe Dave's best episode. I mean, like, you could make the argument. I'm not saying it is, but I'm saying that it's up there. Um, he's just got, he's got a lot of great lines, and he is very central in everybody's plot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I don't know. I, I'm not saying it is. <laughs> like, he didn't make I, my I, top I two, so he... I don't even know, like, I don't even <laughs> right. know my top all time, so... Um... You know, Bill was my runner-up, and it was actually because he's pure comedy in this episode. He literally has nothing really to do with either plot, and he only shows up to be outrageous. You know, you see him get slapped with the popcorn, you see him <laughs> at the meeting, you see him try to lead people out. Like, um, he's kind of like, <laughs> so in my, in my metaphor, like, he's a, if, if that's a sandwich, if that episode's a sandwich, like, he's not the meat, and he's not the bread, but he's the cheese. Like, he's an actually... <laughs> Pulls it all together and makes it a nice little sandwich. Uh, because again, like he really has no role, no real impact on either storyline. He's not involved at all. Uh, you know, aside from maybe, I guess, suggesting that Dave has a date with somebody else. Mm. You know, like mm-hmm. that's, that's about it. Everything else is really just when he shows up, he's doing his. And then we're, we're actually getting into the rest of the story type stuff. Yeah. Uh, so that was, I, I thought that it was actually kind of a usage wise for this episode. You know, not a great Bill performance overall, uh, but the way that they used him in the episode, I thought that made him kind of the runner-up. Okay. I can see that. And I like your metaphor. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, he's, not, he's not vital to either part, but like when he's there, it just pulls it all together. Well, it's almost like he has his own little thread too, like the trying to get out from the beginning and then the kind of the redemption with the cigars and everything, you know, like... Like I almost thought that this this one had like A B C D E plots almost you know because there there were, there were a lot of different directions that things were going on with with the Dave and Lisa thing the fire Jimmy Bill trying to get out um, and then Joe's uh, you know his conspiracy theory about the the cameras and then starting the fire that kind of thing. 
I could see like if there was if it turned out there was a bunch of extra deleted scenes of just like more Bill yeah. story. I could see how like maybe there was some sort of like Bill story, like D story underneath and they just cut it for time. Like I would need to see more of like what it, what actually was going on with him. But I see what you mean. Right. Like he, he could have had his own story with a little little bit more to the sure. script maybe. Yeah, sure. <laughs> so on the other end, I thought it was one of Joe's worst episodes. Oh, yeah. Um, his physical comedy was good, though. Well, I mean, it's good, but it's again, it's like his physical comedy really consists of letting Matthew climb them, <laughs> you know, and then and then chopping, you know, throwing the shoes and, and uh, grabbing Mr. James on the shoulder to walk in. Like, you know, like he, he clearly is waiting for his time to stand up. Like him asking what's up with Dave, why he's dressed up, Detective Joe, as I'm going to start referring to him. <laughs> Uh, is like that's like his highlight and then after that it's like you know get the gibberish in the office to try to get to the point of saying that he's the guy i do like his lines on the way out of the office you know being the unabomber and you know what tom was saying like that's that's actually pretty good you know Mm -hmm. but like i just i was like man like i don't feel like this is a strong one from joe no i i definitely wouldn't say it was his one of his best no most of his best come in season five (laughs) yeah (laughs) <laughs> He's just all <laughs> out, yeah. They just let him be himself by that point. There was mm-hmm. no more acting involved. <laughs> Although the unnamed, unseen forces in some mountain in Virginia—that that seems like Joe Rogan. <laughs> um, I thought it was a strong Beth episode. Yeah. You know, again, she gets she gets a couple of good lines and she gets to react pretty well mm-hmm. a couple things <laughs> I, mm-hmm. the whole mother bit plus the, the, i don't think it matters who she is lisa <laughs> <laughs> so vital um well and like we we've, we've talked before about like Catherine how she can like change tone so quickly and smoothly we see a little bit of that with beth here when she's on the phone with her mom having this like sweet like endearing conversation then all of a sudden it turns to no i did not start the fire <laughs> <laughs> why do I even bother just like yelling give me a break give me a break <laughs> Which, uh, yeah like, definitely relate to that when you're talking to your parents it's like, oh. yeah definitely a strong Beth episode and uh, Matthew um, he's got some moments but he's like kind of more background this episode he's not really forefront but it what he what he does i think is effective he gets a couple moments but you know everybody gets a few moments and it it really works well yeah yeah no quotables from matthew this week no not really well Well, then i'm going to the bathroom yeah (laughs) that's that's maybe the most quotable (laughs) all right well, now we're going to go do a segment we call a time capsule from the internaut. So, according to Usenet user Kids in the Howl, two nights after the airing of this episode, there was a home improvement rerun on Fox, and Vicki Lewis guest starred in the episode. The episode he's referencing was titled May the Best Man Win. And its original air date was November 11th, 1992. So it aired uh, a few years before news radio even got started. Vicky played Maureen Binford, the new producer of Tool Time, and she tried to change everything. 
Mm-hmm. That was basically the plot of that episode. That's it was that simple, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the movie Brain Candy had just been released about two weeks earlier, and by this point, many people had seen it and had come to the Usenet forum to discuss. Someone pointed out that Janine Garofalo had a small role in the movie, and Mora's movie Primal Fear was playing in the theater next door, so it felt like a news radio reunion. Hmm. That might be a stretch. Yeah. Uh, The number one song in the U.S. was Because You Loved Me by Celine Dion. The top movie at the box office was unfortunately not Brain Candy. It was The Quest, starring Jean-Claude Van Damme and Roger Moore. And some famous birthdays on this date are Jessica Alba, Penelope Cruz, and Jay Leno. (laughs) Also my brother. (laughs) Two yeses in a row. Oh, hey. All right. And that has been... A time capsule from the internet. <laughs> so now we're going to go into Enigma's smothered in secret sauce. Um, so, what other questions come to mind after watching this episode? Well, I think the question that everybody wants the answer to is, does the weird intern sleep in the stairwell? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good question. We need to find out. Is it true? Now, I assume she meant like, is he living there? Is he like sleeping there at night? Or did do you right. think she just meant like he's taking a long Napping? lunch break and sleeping in the he he's sleeping when he's supposed to be working? Well, no, how, I, I how thought of, like living it? kind of living in okay. the, the Okay, that was my yeah. Like, end of the too. day, and he's cozying up on the landing. Yeah, <laughs> rolling out his little sleeping mat. <laughs> um, what other questions do you got? Tom, do you have one? No, not really. Didn't really have any other questions. Um, So my was, what other codes does Mr. James have preset? (laughs) (laughs) We know he's got at least five codes. So what are codes one to four? And (laughs) that, like, I want to know. I want to, because he remembers that pretty clearly. He doesn't. Yeah. 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 Clearer than the, the indecipherable secret code. I had a similar question, which was, what exactly does a code five entail? Like, what fate awaits Ruth when she gets to the lobby? Is she just getting escorted out, or is there something bigger going on here? <laughs> I'm sure she just gets escorted out. You mean out the elevator, come with us. <laughs> You've been I don't asked know. to leave the building. That's Maybe there's a car stuff. to take her back home. Something I like that. Or... Jimmy having implanted some sort of story where, like, oh, unfortunately, Jimmy died. And, uh, that's <laughs> like, a good point. yeah, like, that's a good his point. Own like there's a tragedy. Him. Like, it's not really like you're getting kicked out. It's kind of like, oh, sorry. Yeah. Like something happened, but in the elevator ride down, something's come up. Yeah. <laughs> that's much kinder than what I envisioned. <laughs> I, I'm not, I don't wish ill upon Ruth. I mean, her name is oh. in the Bible, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Which was that? I guess, I, guess, I guess the one question I would have is like how Jimmy says he updates his his uh, his his little codes for every week, and then he's also got codes for getting people escorted out. Like, does he have an assistant and like that helps him keep this stuff straight? Is it Carol at the? Uh, is that um was it Jane Lynch? Oh yeah. <laughs> Is she privy to all the codes? I don't know. Again, he knows the ones he needs to know. Yeah. Yeah. My biggest question was, did Dave actually have a lunch date? Or was he just trying to get Lisa to stop ignoring him? 
Like, was there really a date? He never says there was. He never owns up to the fact that, yes, there's a date. Yeah. But he also doesn't say there never was a date. Conceivably, so, if there was a fire in the building, he would have to cancel said date. Mm-hmm. And we don't see that. And we don't see that. So That's we right. right. Yeah. It is a really good one. <laughs> Better than my, uh, on par with my time warp question. <laughs> like space to my wormhole. <laughs> the Jimmy James wormhole express. Although if it is the girl with the big boobs from Mass Sales, you know, pre- presumably she knows about the fire. You would think, yeah. So maybe he doesn't have to cancel. <laughs> One of Lisa's darts was hit. <laughs> um, so I've got one more. I don't know how many you have, Lauren. Um, I've got a couple more, but uh, hit me with it. What you got? All right. So my last question is, is Lisa an adrenaline junkie? And I think about hmm. the entire series, right? Dave comes in. She's excited about having sex in the office, his office, joking about going to the booth. Mm-hmm. There is a fire. She gets all turned on and she does that. She gets into debates where she starts yelling. She gets mm-hmm. all turned on, that type of stuff. She's broken into libraries to get her uh, <laughs> libraries to get the, the unabridged versions of books, broken into <laughs> post offices to get letters. Like, is Lisa an adrenaline junkie? Is she secretly like she, she's got to have some sort of rush coming from somewhere? It could be. I mean, and and if she is, she's an extremely nerdy adrenaline junkie. Like the things that get her adrenaline up are not like she the gets typical, David like... Stewart in the same place. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're right. She yeah, likes... she's, she's not X Games adrenaline junkie, but <laughs> yeah, mm, something's going on. She likes a high stress moment. That's for sure. Hmm. Huh. Going into the poker game without knowing how to play poker. <laughs> Just all Going into interview okay. anthrax without knowing anything <laughs> <Right>? about them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think this, this is another conspiracy theory that we're going to build up on, on yeah. Twitter. I think you may be onto something. News radio Twitter. <laughs> um, I also want to know, is Joe really the Unabomber? Or was he just pushing Dave to see how much he could get away with in this moment? Like, he figured out what was going on, and he was like how far can I push this guy before he's going to be like, okay, wait, no, wait a minute. I got to fire you now. (laughs) And he never found that line. (laughs) Who is it? (laughs) Well, I wonder how much longer I didn't, I didn't uh, cover it. And I didn't even think to look it up, but like how long after this was the Unabomber discovered to be Ted Kaczynski. It probably wasn't that long. I mean, I feel like the Unabomber thing only went for about three years. So, yeah, I don't know. we'll find that out. We'll we'll discuss that in the next episode. Okay. <laughs> um, you know, actually, so I missed something just because we're talking kind of about that scene. I think, <laughs> or else I'm just on a different page. Uh, Lisa pushes Joe out of the office after that. That was one of the coolest details, the background thing that I didn't mention. I forgot to mention it. Is that she actually physically like pushes him out of the office <laughs> to get back in there. And I'm just like, like she's not even pretending. <laughs> you know, like like, she's past that point. Like, nope. Yeah, uh, she she gave up the charade at a certain mm, point. <laughs> she's yeah. like, everyone knows what's going on. Just get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> Did you call for me? <laughs> <laughs> Um, I want to know at the end, why does the fire chief ask for the news director, right? Like this building is enormous. 
There are a lot of different businesses inside. Is he really going office to office, learning which business is in each one, and then addressing the person in charge by the particular business title of that person at that business? And also, if, if they called everyone to let them know there was a fire, why wouldn't they just call them to let them know the fire was out? I mean, that's what they said they were going to do, right? They said, we'll call back later with further details. Listen, if you're a firefighter, I think you got to rock that gear around that office. You don't <laughs> know how many dates you could put. How many floors are in that building? Well, they're on the 14. So and there's, a, there's like, a redhead in every office. We're going to yeah, it's crazy red in every office. We're going to get 14 <laughs> floors and see how true that is. You know, like, I'm telling you, man, you're in the gear. People are all fired up. Like you see, like they shake the fireman's hands when he walks over. The other two guys mm-hmm. are with him. Like that's extra eight shaking hands, stuff like that. Like that's your answer right there. We're going to okay. go floor by floor and we're going to make sure that we are seen by every cute girl in this office <laughs> just in case. Like, you can't tell me when you watched it, you didn't expect Beth to make a play for this fire guy. So, oh, I did. You know, like, I you did. were just like, oh, we're, it's coming. Like, when is she going <laughs> to, when, when is Memphis getting involved? <laughs> and there's a joke about the news director being sensitive that needs to be made. And it can only be made with a fireman there. Yeah, well, and if he asks for the news director, that's the thing that really bothers me. It's like, why not just like, yeah. hey, is the boss in? Yeah. You know, like, yeah. why, like, if I went to, a news station i don't think that i would know that like the top boss is called the news director right we don't know how many fires joe's actually set well that's true. <laughs> actually you guys might actually know what's on each floor because they've just been like right all right criterion building again <laughs> someone keeps monkeying with their alarms you got a point okay so maybe that's uh not Still. such an enigma after all. You took the secret sauce off it. <laughs> well, I, listen, if you're going to be a fireman and you have the opportunity to get seen in all those offices and it means you don't have to go back and sit around the fire station, yeah, we're going to we're gonna take our time and we're going to get seen, shake some hands, get some numbers. Okay, okay. I <laughs> That's me that. and I'm not a fireman because there's probably <laughs> some sort of like fireman's code where you can't do that. <laughs> probably. Fireman's code. All right, let's move on to something on the fly. What is a scene or a montage you would like to add to this episode? Uh, Thad, let's start with you. Um, So again, this was such a dense packed episode. It was tough for me to kind of think of something extra. And now that you kind of brought up an alternate, I'm I'm kind of double just questioning it. Um, But Ruth being grabbed by Junior and Lorenzo and getting escorted from the building is what I would have had for the end. (laughs) You know, like, again, first of all, Junior and Lorenzo, we get the two of them in there. You know, hopefully mm-hmm. Tone Loke gets a couple slick lines. Uh, <laughs> but, but like, her just overall confusion. So now that you suggested that maybe, like, they have some sort of spiel, mm-hmm. um, that actually, I think, would be much funnier if it's a ridiculous, yeah. you know, it's almost like one of those, uh, I just say it, but like Barney Stinson type things, like, oh, NASA is bringing me in to train their... <laughs> <laughs> like bomb setting dolphins or whatever it's just something completely <laughs> over the top and, and outrageous and just to hear tone Lope deliver it in that raspy voice mm-hmm. you know and her look <laughs> on her face like I, I think that would be really funny so uh so half really points good. go to you for actually making it funnier than, <laughs> than mean <laughs> well and i love uh anytime we see junior and lorenzo like I, oh my god it just makes the episode so that's a great one that's a good one to add uh, Tom, what do you want to add to this episode? Okay, so it would be a scene uh, where Joe is reporting to somebody. It would be shot from behind someone's head, and it would be like an unnamed 
on on they wouldn't show the face of this like mafia style boss, maybe like Kingpin from the Marvel universe. And they're like, well, were we able to kill that person with the fire? And Joe would be like, no, unfortunately nobody was killed. They got out. And well, are the cameras now recording what we want them to record? Yes, they are. Everything. It'll be fine. It'll be taken care of. <laughs> yeah, wow. exactly. Joe's actually involved in the conspiracy. Interesting. Yeah. Ah, okay, I like that. I went with the Joe scene also, but I I just don't picture him like working for anyone like ever, <laughs> right? Even though like Dave thinks Joe works for him, I don't think Joe really works for him, you know. Um, so I want to see a scene at the end where um, Joe is in the back of his van working on something that looks very much like a cartoon bomb, like with like a alarm clock, <laughs> analog alarm clock and some sticks of dynamite or something. And he gets a phone call on his giant 90s cell phone, maybe with the big antenna. And it's Dave who is operating with, uh, let's say, a renewed sense of clarity. And he wants to make sure Joe is just, <laughs> just joking about the whole Unabomber thing. And Joe very unconvincingly says, yeah, it was a joke. Obviously, just a big dumb joke. And Dave's <laughs> like, Dave just accepts it. Like, okay, all right, just checking. Thanks. <laughs> And then back to never see that you just hear Dave's voice on the phone. Yeah, yeah. And then back to tinkering with his bomb. That's the scene I want to see. (laughs) (laughs) Spot guys is turning anti Joe pretty quick. (laughs) 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 Suggested is Joe really the Unibomber? (laughs) Any others? Anything else on the fly? Nothing for me. I just had one. All right. Like you said, it was a very dense episode. There's not much to add. Um, okay, so now we got our catch-all. We got some recasting to do. Um, I did just want to point out that this episode features Catherine Slap's number three, four, and five of the series. <laughs> For anyone who's keeping track of that at home. <laughs> nice. like, uh, shorthand at the office, we just refer to them by the numbers. Like, number three was? Man, Slap number four was number five. <laughs> What was your favorite? I think it was seven. I think it was seven. We don't even we don't even clarify. We're just throwing numbers out. Lauren, give that guy a number five. <laughs> yeah, that guy definitely deserves a Catherine five. <laughs> oh man. Okay. Um, so a couple recasting ideas. So one is to recast the firefighter with someone else who played a first responder. Do you guys have any ideas for that? Tom, you got anyone? Uh, yes, I did. Um, he might be more famous for playing a starship captain, but William Shatner also played T.J. Hooker, who was a cop. <laughs> and I think it would have been funny <laughs> to see William Shatner ask if the news director is in. <laughs> That's a good one. It's okay. <laughs> you can put your shirt back on. The fire is out. <laughs> Now you're the man of seven or eight voices. <laughs> Bad. What do you got? Anything? Um, yeah, I, I had a tough time. Like I don't, I don't watch a lot. Like I didn't have a lot of first responders that came to mind. Uh, so I actually, like, I know, and I've never seen the show. I believe anyway. Um, who, who's on? Was it like nine one one? Is it? I, I've, in my mind, it's Angela Bassett. 
but maybe it's actually a completely different actress now that I'm thinking about it. Um, no, I think you're right. Okay. Uh, but, uh, but I was thinking how funny it would be to have uh, a female lead as the fire chief to mm. make that line of, you can put your shirt back on. Okay. It actually plays, it actually makes more sense, again, in, in a stereotypical world. It makes more sense that a female would say that type of line to a girl than it, than it does for a guy. You know, he's just being like an idiot, I guess. Yeah. You know, like, and I can say, you know, like a little bit, of, a little bit of an edge to it, maybe, but like still funny, still mm-hmm. works. Um, That's a good so, one. Again, anything with Angela Bassett is already, it's already good stuff. So <laughs> I think it would have worked. I went a little more comedy with it. So I was thinking either uh, Thomas Lennon from Reno 911, Lieutenant Jim Dangle in his in his short shorts <laughs> or, or uh, Joe Lotruglio from Brooklyn Nine-Nine, uh, nice. Charles Boyle. I don't know. Just I, I thought either one of them could have pulled off that same joke in that same clueless kind of manner. Like, you could put your shirt back on now, ma'am. <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, so that, that was my thoughts on that. Did you guys have any other uh, backups, runner-ups? No, I just, I think for me, what was tough is that I didn't see it as a comedic role. Like the fireman's got to be kind of a, a handsome or like a capable person. Mm-hmm. So when I was trying to think of, of any type of, you know, funny guys that, that would fill that role, I'm like, I don't think that scene plays for me. I don't know if it plays with, with a comedy guy coming in, like Steve Buscemi, who was a fire fireman, a volunteer <laughs> or, or real, like if he comes in, like he could definitely give that line, mm-hmm. but I'm not sure it's the same as a, like a big strapping guy that that kind of delivers it so that, that's okay. my thought on. no that's a good take that's a good take although i think if it was like a you know a scrawnier or nerdier kind of guy it might make more sense why beth didn't jump on him yes you know? <laughs> i'm still like maybe that is that is a, an enigma for us it's like why didn't beth go after the fire yeah maybe yeah. there's a story there oh maybe, <laughs> maybe she's banned from ladder 16 is that what i was talking about <laughs> <laughs> yes <laughs> They've already put the kibosh. Maybe she's got Engine a Engine 39, a, letter 16. She's got a symbol next to his name on her list. <laughs> Something <laughs> happened there. He's out. He's done. <laughs> All right. Now, what if we were going to recast Ruth with someone who played a wealthy person looking for love? And you can be as loose as you want with the, the term wealthy. <laughs> okay. Like, I don't know. It all depends on the, the, the time and um, sometimes they don't really say like it's not like every show is about a Jimmy James who we know is a billionaire so someone who seems pretty well off who's out there looking for love anything come to mind dad um, I think it was actually the looking for love part that was hard for me to kind yeah. of mm. characters I was like I don't I can't think of a lot of characters where their motivation was was to find love um, so I, I think more of a combination of just what what the actress who played Ruth kind of looked like and just kind of this, this idea is I thought about Ginger from Gilligan's Island, mm. um, which I know she wasn't really looking for love, but at That's the same right. time, like she had kind of the stature. I'm thinking tall, I think is part of what it is in my head, mm-hmm. uh, but like kind of had the stature, kind of would have some recognition from an audience, you know, that would kind of add a little spice to that part. And uh, I, I don't know, that was, that was who I kind of pictured and like, I don't know if I was picturing her then, with Tina, Tina Louise, was that who it was? Um, I know there was two genders, but um, oh, okay. I, I don't know if you want to do it from like her back then or her, like what <coughs> age she would have been 
at that time because I think that she would have been comparable. I'm not really good with numbers. <laughs> <laughs> so I really did not research guy. this nearly as much as I needed to, I realize now. Um, but you know, like if she was approximately the same age as, as the actress that played Ruth and played that role, I thought a ginger um, would would work. Ginger, what's her last name? Rogers? Is that a real person? Ginger Rogers. That's a real person. Okay. <laughs> so not Ginger Rogers. Ginger no. from Giggles Island. Yeah. <laughs> Who I might have already misidentified as Tina. <laughs> We're going to check that right now. That's all right. Might there's have been no, Marianne. I don't know. There's no points this round, so it's okay. <laughs> no, it was not Marianne. You, you can make all the wild claims you want. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> and another thing. <laughs> yep, it was playing Ginger Grant. There you go. Grant. Okay. All right, Tom, what's your take on this? Okay, so I had two directions. Um, one was this was this person was definitely alone. I don't know that they were necessarily looking for love, or that, the, but I don't know that they were turned down either. Um, and that is uh, Maggie Smith as um, Lady like Grantham from Downton Abbey, like the the old lady, um, and. But I would say, like, cast her, but, like, when she was maybe 40. Not, not okay. like, the age she is now, right? Because back in the day, she was very, very pretty lady. Um, if you're familiar with Harry Potter, she played Professor McGonagall. Okay. Um, yeah. Got Anyhow. It. Yeah. So, <laughs> there you go. Uh, but the other way I was thinking was... Um, uh, Robin Wright played Clara Underwood on the show House of Cards, and she was she was married, but she was kind of like a free agent, like they had somewhat of an open relationship. So I thought, like she 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 is more like uh, kind of similar in in build and, and you know yeah Robin Wright yeah <laughs> way out of Jimmy's league, but yeah oh way out of Jimmy's <laughs> for sure. Um. I went with, uh, I had a couple choices. I went with Rue McClanahan from Golden Girls as Blanche Devereaux. Mm, she was supposed to, like, she owned the house where all the ladies lived, you know. She was obviously the most well-off of them. I don't know if you would consider her wealthy, but she seemed pretty comfortable. And she was she was out there looking for something, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if love is the first word to put on that. She was looking for it. <laughs> She was looking for someone compatible. (laughs) (laughs) She seemed to be doing a lot of searching for compatibility. (laughs) God bless her. Um, The other one that came to mind uh, was Judith Light from Who's the Boss? Angela Bauer. I don't know how well off she was supposed to be, but she can afford full-time help at home. That tells that's that tells me that's someone who's pretty well off. So and and I think she was out there looking for love. Like she may have been in denial of that through a lot of the series, but I think that's really what she was looking for. You know, I actually would add her to Jimmy's list. Like I like she would fit in, I mm. think, on Jimmy's list of, of possibilities. Yeah. Judith Light definitely doesn't get enough uh, enough shine for yeah. for her work. She just did some really good drama stuff after that show, too. Brings up another question. Who was the boss? (laughs) I'm pretty sure it was Angela. (laughs) But I'm not not sure it wasn't Mona. You saw the size of that bike. According to Abed Nadir. (laughs) (laughs) Um, 
All right, so that was our recasting. Did anyone else have anything else to go in the catch-all? Anything else that just didn't fit in any of the other categories that you wanted to mention? Uh, only, you know, only like, only the nitpick of, uh, you know, that alluded to it earlier, like the the jazz singer joke, because, you know, the blackface mm. that was used in the movie The Jazz Singer in 1927, um, you know, that was distasteful. Uh, other than that, you know. Yeah. I just didn't think it was a very good joke. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, 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 yeah, it is a good point to, to like, hmm, we we're not, blackface is definitely not okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that didn't need to I, I think maybe there's there's a way that you could look at that particular like that Dave is kind of making fun of the fact that there was, but it's still it's just it's meh. yeah. Better yeah, joke, I, please. Yeah, I feel like they could have inserted something else there that would have been yeah. funnier and would have aged it a little better. <laughs> right. Hopefully with an accent. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was the yeah. I mean, the accent was on point. Yeah, the accent was good. <laughs> that was like the best part. All right, so now we're going to go to The More You Know, Lessons We Learned from Watching This Episode. Um, Thad, do you want to go first on this one? Um, uh, the lesson that I learned <laughs> is that you should have a bunch of preset codes for situations that <laughs> come in handy in different situations. Nobody, like, nobody got time to explain it all out in detail. Well, there's a person, da 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 Nope. You just want to pick up your phone. You want to make sure you're talking to and give Hey, code three, 15 minutes. Boom. All that needs to be said. And like, Lauren, you're laughing. Like girls don't do this on dates. Like, you know, they're oh. texting their friends like, yo, code four, which is like, this guy's an absolute disaster. You need to call me. My, my aunt is in the hospital. My aunt just got hit by a car. You got to get me out of here now. So I, I guess I'm really just, the more that I know is, is really, I guess that guys need to catch up to the codes that girls already have. That's, that's the lesson I really picked up here. I, I'm mostly laughing because I'm remembering I used to work in a place that was like a customer service kind of place. And there was a, we had a code four. Code four was invented by all the dudes that I worked with. And it meant there's a hot girl out in self-serve. So you better go check her out. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Code three, if I recall, was correctly was uh, there's a terrible song on the Muzak. Someone please change the station. <laughs> <laughs> now, if you're doing this over the intercom, then that's hilarious. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. You had to like that's pick hilarious. up the phone. Everyone in the whole floor heard it. Yeah. <laughs> we, have a, we have a code four in houseware. Code four in houseware. <laughs> Fifteen dudes show up at the end of the aisle, <laughs> peering out. Like... Excuse me. Do you need any help with that? <laughs> It's like the scene where Beth is is getting her film developed. <laughs> yeah, yes, yes, 100%. 100%. Exactly. Well, that's a good lesson learned. <laughs> um, Tom, what's your lesson learned? What's the more you know? Uh, that a good slap on a sitcom is a lot funnier than a good slap on live television. <laughs> Preach. Oh, no. Preach. <laughs> okay (laughs) that is a good lesson learned um i have two and i've been trying to decide so i think i'm just going to say both of them (laughs) so one is don't make important romantic decisions in a time of crisis i think that's that's important pretty sure the movie speed taught us the opposite (laughs) (laughs) 
I'm, I'm pretty sure that's that's not accurate. But okay, continue. <laughs> um, my second lesson learned is if you're going to break up with someone, be a grown up about it and tell them to their face. Don't have security do it for you. Otherwise, you might end up with an unflattering secret code next to your name on their spouse candidate list. <laughs> How is that a lesson that you learned? <laughs> That's a revenge fantasy. <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, I like it, but you're like, and then what will happen? Is this and this, you don't want to do that. Like, no. <laughs> if you have sex, you will get chlamydia and you will die. Now everybody. Take a <laughs> These are just the facts, people. I don't make them up. I'm just delivering them. Syphilis is a fact. <laughs> well, on that note, the next episode on the Hoodoo Factory Conveyor Belt will be our first unit review episode. We'll be doing a recap episode of our Dave and Lisa unit. We hope you'll join us for that. Until next time, please stop by the gift shop on your way out. Thank you for visiting the Hoodoo Factory, supplier of the only known antidote for absa fever. Good night, pumpkin. But a fuko to you too. Panios. Thank you for visiting the Hoodoo Factory, the source for all your hoodoo needs. You can follow us on Twitter at hoodoo underscore factory. The Hoodoo Factory is part of the Stolen Dress Podcast Network. Please stop by the gift shop on your way out. And remember, the Hoodoo Factory is the supplier of the only known antidote for absa fever. <laughs>